Hey, I'm Phil. Thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. So one easy way that you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So last week, you had the privilege to hear from uh, one of my close friends, uh, uh, Patrick Bicknell, who is the student director here uh, at our Waterford location, uh, and, and he's awesome. I had a chance to listen to it this week. He did a fantastic job. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it this week, I'd encourage you to go and listen to it. But I went to him through the week. And I said, hey, man, would you mind preaching? And he's like, yeah, what's going on on Tuesday, though? Why won't you be there? And I said, well, I got this little thing. It's called my wife's birthday. And uh, I probably shouldn't be uh, out hanging out uh, away from her. And he was like, got you, because he's getting married in, in a couple weeks here. And he's like, I understand. You need to not be at Tuesday night. I said, yes. Because here's the thing. My wife and I, we view birthdays very different. For me... Uh, I prefer no one knows. No one knows my birthday. I would rather uh, not hear that dreaded song be sung. I would uh, rather uh, not really anyone know that I am getting older and older and older and I'm just awaiting the gray hairs to show up. That's how I prefer my birthday. My, my wife is very different, right? She loves the celebration. She loves, like, she would have birthday week if she could have it. Not because she's selfish or she wants the attention, but she's just a very happy person and she loves to celebrate. And so any reason she has to celebrate, uh, whether it's Labor Day or Fourth of July or her birthday, she loves to celebrate. That's her thing. And, and it's interesting You know, she will go through, you can tell the difference, especially when it comes to cards, right? You'll get cards in the mail no matter what, and she will go through and she will read every one of them. She will keep those cards for an entire year. Sometimes she'll go back and read them. Me, I'm like speeding through those cards. Not because they don't mean anything to me, but because, you know, I, I just don't really care about my birthday. But there's one card that always seems to show up to me regardless of whether I want. And I'll show you the card that I got this year. I have a picture of it. This is what it looks like. And it would be funny if I got this card once. It'd be funny if I had gotten this card twice. But every single year, I get this card. And the weird thing is, it's not just from one person, right? Or it's not from like a group of people that have gotten together in scheme. No, I get this card from different people each year. And I... and. I really don't know why, right? I don't know why. No, I do, all right? It's because of the beard, right? People know that if I was to shave the beard, it would not be good. It would be a baby face, right? And so people think it's funny, but that's a lot of times what people see, right? If you don't know a lot about me, you see a beard, that becomes my identity. So much so that uh, it was funny, when I, back when I was a student director, uh, we had this great idea for a game. What we decided was, all right, we're going to get all the students together and we're going to do a leader scavenger hunt. So we got all the volunteers, all the, the adult leaders, and we told them, hey, go into Walmart and hide. 
Hide however you want. If you want to dress up as a different person, if you want to like go and jump into that whole ball cart and hide there, hide. And we're going to have the students show up and we're going to have them look for you. And for every person, every leader they find, they get a point. Team with the most points wins. Well, there, there are people who did all manner of crazy stuff. There's people who, who got other people's children and walked with them in strollers. There's people who dressed up in all, like old ladies, old men, all this different thing. It was crazy. You know what I had to do? I shaved my beard and walked around Walmart for two hours and one team found me. Only one team found me. And I looked at them like, you guys really don't know me apart from a beard? Come on, like, just look at my eyes. And I'm pretty sure that one team was my sister's team, if I'm going to be honest, right? But it's interesting how, you know, when people see you a certain way and you get labeled a certain way, that kind of becomes your identity, right? To this point, right, my wife will not let me shave my beard, Right? Because that's how people know me. Now, I think if I showed up on a Tuesday night here or a Sunday morning in Davison, people would be like, all right, where's Justin? Who's preaching this morning? Right? There is this weird way of how people see you can almost become your identity. The way that people label you can become your identity. And sometimes we take that on ourselves. Right? The way that people think of us, we say, yeah, that's who we're going to be. Maybe not at first. Maybe we try and resist it for a time. But if people keep telling you over and over and over that this is who you are, eventually we just accept it. We say, yeah, that, that's going to be who I am. If that's how you're going to think of me, I'll really show you. If you're going to think of me as an addict, I'll show you what addiction really is. If you're going to think of me as a problem, I'll be a problem. You think of me a reject? Yeah, I'll show you what I can be. And we take that identity on ourselves over and over and over, and we label ourselves a certain way. We make our identity the very thing that people try and put on us. And here's the thing. There's, there's this guy in Scripture who he made a bunch of decisions, and they weren't great decisions. Actually, they were evil decisions. And these evil decisions led him to being viewed by all these people as a certain way. And he was this broken man who everyone saw as this. And God saw that and said, no, I'm going to change it. I'm going to fix it. And tonight we're going to look at his story. But before we do, let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Lord, tonight we thank you. We thank you that you don't see us the way the rest of the world does. Lord, that what other people label us has no bearing on how you see us. Lord, that even in the midst of us being utter and complete messes, you seek after us. Lord, we love you in your precious and holy name, Jesus' name, amen. And so last week, Pat, he, 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 Patrick, he showed up and he, he preached this sermon where he was talking about our identity and he used an example of his life and how God had radically changed his identity, how he had made choice after choice after choice that had led him to a specific point. 
that had led him very far away from God and how God redeemed him from that. And really, I I thought he did a fantastic job illustrating really the theme of, of this identity series on what we're doing in this series in identity. And, and I wanted to, to, to remind you of that. It, it's Instead of attempting to earn God's approval or wallowing in our imperfections, we can rest in the work of Jesus and find freedom to live as our truest selves when we understand our story through the lens of his story. We naturally view ourselves and others differently. Right? And there's this, there's this picture of we can see who we are. Our lives as sinners, our lives as people who choose sin, and we consistently choose sin over and over and over again. And we have this, this kind of impasse or this fork in the road, as Patrick talked about. And we can choose to continue down that road of sin. We can continue down that road of wallowing in our imperfections. We can continue down that road of trying to just be a good person through what we do. Or we can respond to the ways that God is calling us. And as we respond, we will see his story and it will change the way that we see ourselves. It will change our identity. And so tonight we're going to look at this character. His name is Manasseh. And Manasseh, he's kind of universally viewed as the baddest dude. And when I say the baddest dude, like sometimes when you hear like the baddest dude, you think like, man, that dude's tough. That dude's crazy. I'm just going to yell. One moment. As God's chosen people, they were called to live differently. They were called to live set apart, and they were called to live only for God. And so Manasseh, as the king, it was his job to make sure that that actually happened. Right, That they didn't get infiltrated from all these other nations, that they didn't do evil stuff, and most importantly, that they only worshipped God. But Manasseh didn't do that. And because of the way that Manasseh lived, because of the choices Manasseh made, and because of the direction he steered Israel, he was considered this evil king. And the most evil king. The baddest dude. So bad, in fact, that when I was in Bible college and uh, I was going through a survey of the Old Testament and my Bible professor, he encouraged us to remember Manasseh by calling him Nasty Manasseh. Right? And so already this dude's got a label. 
He's got an identity. We're calling him a certain thing. We see him a certain way. And I want you to see why. And so turn with me, if you would, to 2 Chronicles. Turn with me in your Bibles. Turn with me uh, uh, if you have your phone. Take it out. Uh, and we're going to be reading it through in the New Living Translation. A lot of times we read through in the ESV. But the NLT really phrases this passage as a story. And I wanted to read it as the story of Manasseh. I want you to see how his reign was as the king of Israel. And so follow along with you, if you would, in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. We're going to start in verse 1. It says this. Manasseh was 12 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 55 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, following the detestable practices of pagan nations that the Lord had driven from the land ahead of the Israelites. So like I said, his role as king was to not do that, right? Was to keep these false religions, these false belief, these practices of these ungodly nations out of the nation of Israel. He was trying, supposed to keep them as solely devoted to God, and he didn't do that. And here, the writer actually lays out exactly how he messed up. Continue with me in verse 3. He built the pagan shrines his father, Hezekiah, had broken down. He constructed altars for the images of Baal and set up Asherah poles. He also bowed down before all the powers of heaven and worshiped them. And when heaven is used here, it's not talking about like heaven where God is. It's talking about the spiritual realm, which is kind of like they view as above them. And so all the spiritual realm, all the powers, pretty much any demonic power you can imagine, he would have them worship. And not only would he have them worship, but he bowed down himself before them all. Verse 4. He built pagan temples or pagan altars in the temple of the Lord, the place where the Lord had said, my name will remain in Jerusalem forever. He built these also or these altars for the for all the powers of the heavens in both courtyards of the Lord's temple. So here he is taking the very thing that was supposed to be devoted solely to God and he said, you know what? That's basically going to be everyone else's. This stuff that was only supposed to be God, that was supposed to remain holy for God, he took and he desecrated. He corrupted. But it gets worse. Verse 6. Manasseh also sacrificed his own sons in the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom. He practiced sorcery, divination, witchcraft. He consulted mediums and psychics. He did much that was evil in the sight of the Lord, arousing his anger. And it continues, Manasseh even took a carved idol he had made and set it up in God's temple. The very place where God had told David and his son Solomon, my name will be honored forever in this temple and in Jerusalem, the city I have chosen from among all the tribes of Israel. If the Israelites will be careful to obey my commands and all the laws and decrees and regulations given through Moses, I will not send them into exile from this land and I will set 
it aside for your ancestors. But Manasseh led the people of Judah and Jerusalem to give even more evil, to do even more evil than the pagan nations that the Lord had destroyed when the people of Israel entered into the land. Now do you understand what I mean by saying that this was a bad guy, right? He was the evil of evil. He worshiped false religion. He practiced evil and bowed down. He encouraged other people to practice evil. He did everything he could to make sure that evil reigned in the place that was supposed to be God. But even worse than that, he sacrificed his own children. And truthfully, he was actually responsible for even more death, specifically of children, because many of these false religions that were from these outside pagan religions practiced human and children sacrifice. This was an evil, evil, evil man. He wasn't just dishonest, right? He wasn't like a corrupt politician. He was actively seeking evil and evil for all people. He was truly depraved, truly sick, messed up in the head, whatever you want to call it. But on top of this, the thing that I think is even crazier is, right, he was given these very clear guidelines, right? Hey, these places are supposed to be sacred to God and God alone. And he was laid out consequences, right? Like, if you obey God, if you keep these places sacred, you won't be taken over. But if you disgrace all of this, if you don't obey God's commands, if you don't keep your people separate, then you will be conquered and taken into exile. And you know, want to know what Manasseh said? Bet. Right, let's see about that. He looked and he stuck both middle fingers up at God. And he said, come at me. Let's see. Let's see how it works. And he didn't just... You know, hey, we'll do evil all around, but yeah, you know, we're a little scared of God, so we'll keep these places holy. No, no, no. He said, every place will be evil. God, you don't have any bearing on me. And he went against God for everyone to see. The thing about God is God doesn't think that that's too funny. Right? He doesn't put up with that long. But the thing that I think is interesting is we see in verse 10 that God has a very different response than you would think, right? You would read that story and you read in the Bible and you think that God would just be like, you know, like zapped, you're done, donezo, you're not king anymore. All of a sudden lightning strikes and he's done. But God has a very, very different response. And truthfully, I'm thankful for this response. In verse 10, it says this, the Lord spoke to Manasseh and his people, but they ignored all his warnings. And so God came and he pleaded with Manasseh. He said, dude, if you keep doing this, bad stuff's going to happen. If you keep doing this, there's going to be consequences for your actions. If you keep choosing evil, if you keep choosing disrespect, if you keep choosing your own way, if you keep choosing sin, there is going to be a price to pay. Please stop. 
And the interesting thing is, it doesn't, doesn't say, but they ignored his warning. It says warnings. He went to them multiple times. He warned them multiple times. He was patient. God had the power to wipe everything out. He did it with a flood. But he was patient. And he gave them grace. He gave them time. But they still ignored his warnings. And so we see what happens in verse 11. So the Lord sent the commanders of the Assyrian armies, and they took Manasseh prisoner. They put a ring through his nose, bound him in bronze chains, and led him away to Babylon. You see, Manasseh faced the consequences of his sin. He faced the consequences of his actions. He faced the consequences of the evil choices that he made. And around this point in the story, you may be thinking, you know, Justin, why are you sharing this story? This is just like, it just seems like Manasseh is getting beat down and beat down. You know, I appreciate it because I like to see evil lose. But like, who am I supposed to be in this story? I don't know about you, but I identify with Manasseh. You may be looking like, whoa, Justin, what have you done in your past that I don't know about? No, no, you know, we as, we as humans, we naturally try and, you know, like, make evil palatable. So we like to put it on a scale, and a scale that makes us seem not as bad. But the truth is, sin is evil. Like, making bad choices is evil. If I lie to you, that's evil. I, I did something wrong. I did something, and it hurt you. And I don't know about you, but I've done a lot worse things than lie. I've said some things that I shouldn't have said. I've done some things that I shouldn't have done. Went some places I shouldn't have been. You can fill in the blank there. And so I look at Manasseh and I say, I'm the evil one. I messed up. I sinned. I knew what was right and wrong, and I chose evil. As much as I try and say that that wasn't me making a statement to God, I was. I was. I knew what was right and wrong. My parents, you know, I grew up in church. I heard all the stories. I knew what God wanted me to do. I didn't do it. And that was me doing the same thing Manasseh did. And then God showed up in my life and he called me away from the things that I had done. He called me away from the things that I was doing. I didn't care. I kept doing them. Kept in the same old path. And I ignored warning after warning after warning. Because I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I was like Manasseh. And I would bet some of y'all are too. And Manasseh, he sat in this, in this prison, this broken man, right? When the consequences came his way. And I don't know about you, but I faced some consequences that have come my way too. That broke me. That beat me up. That I brought upon myself. And Manasseh was this man who everyone knew was evil. So much so that, like, the Assyrians showed up, right? 
Other nations knew that he was a mess. He had been labeled this evil, awful king to the point other nations knew him as the evil, awful king and needed to stop him. And so he sits in this jail cell, an evil man, labeled as nothing other than evil, broken, guilty, sick, depraved, a man who was nothing other than the villain. That was his label. That's how the people saw him. And you know what? That's what he believed he was. That was his his identity. Maybe you are sitting and you're feeling a similar way. You're like, man, this is how people see me. All people see me as is the addict of the family. Man, all people see me as is the problem child or the trouble sibling. Man, when people see me come walking, walking in, they just assume there's going to be drama. And you sit and you feel like the reject, you feel like the screw up, and maybe you even feel like the villain. And that's all you know. And like Manasseh, you sit bound to that. You sit bound to that identity. You sit in chains to your addiction because that's all you know. That's all people see you as. So why be anything different? You feel in the exact same place that Manasseh was in, taken prisoner by the identity and bound to all the things that you've done. I felt there. I've been there. There's days where I still feel like that sometimes. And there's this horrible place where he sits and he's bound and he's facing all the terrible things that he's done. Because don't make no mistake, he deserved where he was. Make no, no mistake, we deserve where we're at. We do. As much as you want to make it seem like you haven't done some evil stuff, you've done some evil stuff. I deserve the place I was in. Because I chose evil. I don't get a pass just because I don't want to feel it. And he was sitting here in a place that he deserved... And truthfully, the camera could have panned away. Right? The writer could have been like, done. God could have been like, done. Right? He got what he deserved. He did wrong thing after wrong thing. He deserved to rot in that prison. Truthfully, he didn't even deserve to be there. He deserved death. But that isn't the end of the story. Look in verse 12. But while in deep distress. And I loved, I love words like but in scripture because it, 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 it's a picture of the contrast, right? You think that this is going to happen, but this happens. Right? You see this man, he's gotten all that he deserved. And you sit there and you think, all right, end of story. He has gotten it. The bad guy ends up in prison and the story's over. But when you're the bad guy, you love words like but. It's not what you think. 
Verse 12. But while in deep distress, Manasseh sought the Lord, his God. And I love that it says his God. Manasseh sought the Lord, his God, and sincerely humbled himself before the Lord or before God of his ancestors. And when he prayed, the Lord listened to him and was moved by his request. So the Lord brought Manasseh back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. And then Manasseh finally realized that the Lord alone is God. You see, there's this moment, right? Where he was just in this pit of darkness. He was in this deep despair. He had accepted that he was the villain. And not in a conquering way where he felt like the supervillain, where he had just accepted he was the bad guy, that he was evil. And in this rock bottom moment, in this moment of despair, he didn't embrace it. He was tired of the label. He was tired of that identity. He was tired of being the villain. Man, I pray that you're tired of being the villain. I know I got tired. I pray that you're tired of the evil, that you're tired of the sin. Because in that moment when Manasseh was tired, he humbled himself. He said, I'm tired of being the main character. There's a better character out there. I want to join God's team. And he cried out to the Lord. He said, God, I need help. Change who I am. Because who I am is evil, and I'm tired of it. And he sincerely, and I love that word, sincerely, because what you see in that is, you know, as addicts, when we get caught, we're sorry. But truthfully, like, that's not really sorry. We're sorry we got caught. <laughs> we're, we're sorry that we might have to do jail time. We go to court. We're sorry that people are upset at us. And that life's going to be a little bit hard for a couple weeks. Or we lost the job. We're not really sorry. It's not sincere. It's not deep. That pride's still there. We got excuse after excuse after excuse. We got reason after reason after reason. Manasseh didn't offer up any reason here. He was sincerely sorry. He was sincerely humbled. He sought the Lord, his God. He wasn't looking for an end to the repercussions. He didn't, he, it says, it, it didn't say he asked, you know, I would love to be king again. He sought God. I would encourage you to do the same. 
You see, even though you're evil, even though you've chosen sin time and time and time again, there is a Savior, a main character who's better. A man who came down, who lived a perfect life, and still took your punishment. He was the Son of God. His name was Jesus Christ. He came, and he lived, and he was tempted, and he still chose good. He still chose what was right. He still resisted evil. Yet he paid the price that you and I deserved which was death, which was punishment, which is eternally being bound. And he rose again, showing that he was more powerful than all that, that he actually could save us. You see, Manasseh was offered a new identity. Manasseh was offered a new label. All those those other labels could be taken away, could be thrown out. Because he was given a new label, and that was forgiven. You're offered that label tonight. I don't know what labels you got. I don't know who's calling you what. I don't know what you've done. I don't need to know. Truthfully. But I know that God has offered you through his son Jesus Christ a new label. And it's the only label. And it's forgiven. And so I would encourage you like Manasseh to sincerely seek God. In this moment that you're in of darkness, of feeling bound, of just beaten Maybe of resolved to continue, if they're going to call me this, to live that way. Whatever you may be feeling, I would encourage you to set that aside and to sincerely seek God. Because he's ready through his son Jesus Christ to offer you a new identity. To throw out those old labels and to offer forgiveness. Turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Peter, this is in the New Testament, Peter is an apostle and he's preaching in the temple. And there's a bunch of people who have gathered around him and he wants to tell them of this new reality, this new identity as someone who follows Jesus. He wants to tell them what can happen through this relationship. He wants to tell them what happens when you sincerely go after God, when you seek him the same way Manasseh did. And Peter phrases it way better than any way I could. This is what he says. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 19. It says this. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Other translations say wiped away. This idea of being clean, completely getting rid of. Verse 20, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. 
You see, I love that word in there, refreshing. I don't know about you, but when I was at my lowest, when I felt broken, I needed to be refreshed. That was the last thing that I felt. And the idea of refreshing is like redeeming, being brought from one thing to another, from dry to refreshed, from starving to full. It is making right what was made wrong. And the story of Manasseh doesn't stop here. If you continue to read what Manasseh goes back, he goes back and he becomes king of Jerusalem. And what he does is he makes right all the things that he did wrong. All the false gods that he set up, he tears them down. All the altars he had placed, he burns. The places that he'd corrupted with idol worship and with sacrifices and all these terrible things, he goes and devotes once again solely to God. And he takes the nation of Israel and he says, we will only worship one God. And he is God Almighty. You see, God gave Manasseh a new identity. God used Manasseh, even though he was a sick, evil, bad man. He took him from that, and he made right all the things that he had wronged. That can be you. The relationships that you've grown, they can be fixed. The things that you've said, they don't go away. But they can be refreshed and renewed. Healing can happen. Recovery is possible. But it's not possible when you try and live in your old identity. It's only possible through a new identity in Christ. And so tonight, you have an opportunity. Not an opportunity to respond the same way Manasseh did. If you haven't accepted Christ Jesus, tonight's a perfect night to do it. If you have questions, I would love to answer them. Table leaders will be down front. If you need prayer, they would love to pray with you. They would love to help you go to God sincerely. And they would love to help encourage you. But maybe you have accepted Christ and you're still living in that old identity. You still feel bound. You still feel chained. You still feel broken in the same way Manasseh is. Maybe you've forgotten your new identity. Maybe you just can't seem to get it out of your head, those things. Maybe you need some encouragement to remember you've been forgiven. Man, there's some people down here who would help, love to help you go to God who will remind you. And as this next song plays, I would encourage you to worship. Worship a God who is striving to redeem you. 
who loves you, who is moved when you come to him sincerely. And I'd encourage you to remember that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and to raise again so that you could have a new identity. So you can move from the villain, from the bad guy, from the rejected, to the pro- from the problem, to forgiven. So how will you respond? How will you respond? Let's pray. Lord, Lord, this series has hit me hard. Because far too often I forget my identity. I love to live like that old Justin. I love to make myself the villain. I like to choose evil. Lord, and time and time again through scripture, you remind us that our identity has changed. We may have been the problem, but you've forgiven us. We may have been evil, but you've saved us. We may have been broken, but you fixed us. We may have been alone, but you came beside us. And all those things we used to be, you seek to change, redeem, refresh through the work of your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray that you help us to live that. I pray that you help us to live that. Lord, and tonight I pray for my friends in this room. I pray for maybe the person who hasn't accepted the salvation that you offer through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help them to see their need. You would reach out to their heart in the same way you did with Manasseh. Lord, and that we would be a people who shed our chains, things that we bound ourselves to, to addiction, to hurt, to evil. And that we would cling to you sincerely. Lord, we love you. In your precious and holy name, Jesus' name. Amen.